0: From the mountains to the coast, create memories, meet new people, and find your favorite wine, mead, or cider in NC. Download the NC Wine app
1: or visit ncwine.org to plan your trip to North Carolina wine country today. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. We're the NC Wine Guys. Welcome to Season 6 of Cork Talk.
2: To celebrate six years of Cork Talk, we wanted to look back and feature six of our best episodes.
1: We will also feature six new episodes this year, like this one, featuring Laura and David Comer from Joya de la More Cellars in Mayodan, North Carolina.
2: Two more quick notes before we begin. We're happy to announce that Wine Class with the Wine Mouse is back. Each of our new episodes will have a new lesson about wine. Each episode will also have a quick word from our sponsor, the North Carolina Wine and Grape Council. You can learn more about the council by going to their website, ncwine.org.
1: So sit back, pour a glass, and listen. All right, so we are here today virtually
2: with Laura and David Comer from Joya Della More Cellars in Mayodan, North Carolina. Laura and David, welcome to Cork Talk. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're excited to be
3: be here on this podcast.
1: So welcome as we kick off uh, a new season of Cork Talk. We thank you again for joining us. So tell folks uh, a little bit about yourselves and a little bit about Joya Delamore.
0: So I'm Laura Comer, and um, my background is in finance and um, administration at healthcare. And um, we'll tell you a little bit more about our story Um, that kind of bridges to this, but um, this was a dream of ours for about 10 years, and um, we're very excited to be part of a new community in Mayo North Carolina.
3: And and I'm David. Uh, My background is chemical engineering. Um, Worked in uh, parts of, uh, I guess, oil and gas for many years, and actually today I retired from that, (laughs) and I'm now, you know, full-time with my my love and partner in Joya Delamore. Well,
2: well, congratulations on that. What better way to retire than recording a podcast
1: episode? Here we go. <laughs> we're, we're honored that you chose to to spend your first day of retirement with us. So thank you. So give us a little bit of background on Joya Delamore, how, how it got started and where he got the name. And we know it used to be uh, – Originally started as Autumn Creek Vineyards, but give us a little bit of background about the property and and then your story as as the second owners of of this wonderful establishment.
3: Sure. So uh, the property uh, that became Autumn Creek Vineyard was a tobacco farm. Uh, Currently, it covers about 96 acres, and there's a 100-plus-year-old farmhouse. And what's uh, been identified as one of the best collections, surviving collections of uh, uh, outbuildings around uh, this era of uh, tobacco farm in Rockingham County. A local couple purchased the uh, the farm in 1998 and began experimenting with different varietals and did the initial planting and converted uh, one of the tobacco barns into what is we now know as Cabin in the Vines and operated out of that until the tasting room was built in 2007. And then uh, since then, additional cabins have been added, an event pavilion, and uh, and then we came into the picture in 2021.
2: Excellent. It's hard to believe it's been that long. So so already, it's like time flies.
3: <laughs> Definitely. <clears throat> and then to the
0: question of um, of our start into this and how our journey started. So it was about a decade ago and um my older sister julie at the time was living in kansas city kansas and we were raised in houston texas and david and i have lived in houston our entire marriage of 33 plus years um we've never moved from the same house or anything so anyway julie and her husband dave not to be confused with my husband david um were down in sugarland texas visiting us and We were sitting by the pool in the backyard, sipping some red wine. I believe it was an old vine Zinfandel, which my sister loved dearly. And we were just visiting. And the conversation turned to what do we want to do next in life? You know, corporate America takes a toll on you. And what do we want to do next? We're not old enough to retire yet, but we, you know, what are we passionate about? To which my sister Julie said, Well, and she was my older, bossier big sister, mm-hmm. put her hand on her hip and she said, I know exactly what I want to do. Um, so, Julie um, at the time was a youth minister and she loved taking her youth um, to um, mission trips in order to teach them how to give back. And they would build cinder block houses for people and she would just teach teach her youth how lucky they are and how fortunate they are and how blessed they are um, by giving back and teaching them what other people in other countries didn't have. So she put her hand on her hip and she said, "Well, I know exactly what I want to do. I want to go to a foreign country, probably South Africa or South America, and go to a place where they have no way to sustain themselves economically and there is no economy and build an economy through planting grapevines making wine and talking to them about Jesus. And she really had a vision for this. And we kind of, of course, I'm kind of the goofy, romantic little sister. And she was the smart older sister, bossy big sister. I don't know if I mentioned that. (laughs) I said, you know, if I may, we kind of have the skill set for that. So Julie's husband, Dave, um, was a landscaper and a um, irrigation guy. So he had that skill set. My husband, David, as he mentioned, is a chemical engineer, so even before we went to winemaking school, he understood the fermentation process and laboratory testing and some of the things we learned in winemaking school. He had a way head start and was a good coach for me through that process. And then I'm a CPA slash MBA, and I've worked in healthcare my entire career, and so I had the kind of business side of things and the hospitality side of things, um, and so... I kind of said, "Well, Julie, you know, we we sort of have the skill set for this." We laughed and, you know, changed the subject and kind of poured another glass of wine and kept visiting. Um, and then about four four and a half months later, in early December, I was in a um, training class, a leadership class at MD Anderson Cancer Center where I worked, and my friend Connor was sitting, and we were on lunch break and. I said, Connor, I need you some guy advice. And Connor said, you and David are okay. And I'm like, oh yeah, David and I are great. I said, I just have a really hard time picking out a gift for him that really surprises him and amazes him. And I want to get him something great. And Connor said, that is so easy, Laura. You guys love wine. You love going to wineries. You enjoy going up to um, wine country in Texas and, and staying at these vineyards and everything. You love exploring new wines. He goes, get him a winemaking kit. Well, Connor was a home brewer. I was like, you are brilliant, Connor. What a great idea. And thinking back to this conversation several months earlier, that became David's Christmas gift. It also became my sister and Dave's Christmas gift. And so I bought two making kids. And we all started making wine. They were in Kansas making wine. We were in Texas making wine. And we would have these little competitions with, if we do this, it changes the flavor of the wine. And we just had fun with that um, for about 18 months. And unfortunately, 18 months later, um, Julie, <clears throat> Julie was diagnosed with stage 3B ovarian cancer. And um, of course, that's not your garden variety cancer that you can just get treated anywhere. And I was very blessed working at MD Anderson. Um, We got her in, in I think two days, even though she was out of state, we got her in very quickly. Um, And while we only had her company for an additional 13 months, she passed 13 months Mm. after diagnosis at barely 54 years of age. Mm. But the beautiful part of the story is Julie moved in with us. And I had more time with my big sister in the last year of her life than I had had in the last 10 years, because she had moved away. And um, between her chemotherapy and her surgery, um, she had a little break, and she could have wine again. And it was right around David's birthday. So um, for her chemo gift, ending chemo gift and David's birthday, I gave um, the two of them a wine assessment class and so the three of us took that together so we took our first course with julie
3: Yep. w set level one
0: yeah and um then we you know you're looking for when you're going through something like cancer i'm sure you've been touched by that too by somebody in your family you're looking for positive things to talk about so we're sitting around the kitchen table and it's like hey let's talk about the winery and i don't want to talk about that she said I don't want to go to a foreign country anymore. My whole perspective has changed. I need to be near our family, you know, and my children and my grandchildren. And um, I just don't want to talk about that. And I'm like, I know. Let's talk about a name. She said, well, um, I don't want to talk about it. I know. I know. So I took French in, in high school. I said, how about Joie de la vie, the joy of life in French? And she goes, For French. She said, we have talked about how we don't like snobbery in wine and we don't want our winery to be snobby. She goes, French doesn't fit at all. She said, it has to be Italian. And um, I love Italian wine. I love going to Tuscany. I love the Montepulciano, you know, that's what I like. And so I said, okay, Julie, you have a good point. And um, we started, we, we tried to translate that into Italian. And in Italian, it was gioia de vita. And I said, Julie, that's not going to work. I said, I've had just enough marketing to be dangerous, <laughs> but that is too masculine and not feminine. It needs to be romantic and joie de la vie just flows. And she looked at me like, you're my silly little sister, marketing, schmarketing, whatever it needs to be Italian. Um, and then we paused for a little bit and Julie came back with, I know, I know. It should be amore. Perfect though. And um, I kind of cocked my head to the side and gave her a big grin, and she grinned back, and we both started laughing. And we had a good sister laugh over it, right? There's no such thing as perfect love, there's great love. We make each other better through the process of love. We rub the rough edges off each other and polish each other up and make each other be- better through loving relationships. But it's anything but perfect, right? So we had a good laugh over that. And then um, we kind of combined the two. So our name is The Joy of Love in Italian, and it's pronounced gioia dell'amore. That first word gets everyone, but it's simply the English word joy with an A on the end, gioia dell'amore. And so that's how we got our start. That's a lovely story.
2: I mean, filled with love, filled with family, filled with great fond memories. So thank you very much for
1: and I'm sure every time you say that name, you think of julie and and the memories that you had with her those last few months. Um, it's got be oh yeah, it's got to be uh, moving but happy as well because you got to share that with her so well,
3: and knowing you know the her business name you know, ties directly to you know, to her right absolutely
1: and and it, as a as someone that just learned that story. Fully today uh, looking on your website and and doing some research before we talked and then hearing you tell it it just it, it adds an extra layer um, and knowing the, how much that means to both of you and others it, it just adds something to and wants makes me want to come visit again soon so awesome <laughs> so let's talk about um, some of the some of the other things that go on at Gio Della More. What kind of, so let's talk about, I guess, first let's talk about the vineyard. So that's a big part of what's going on. So talk to us about what, what do you have planted? What's maybe some of your favorite varieties to work with in the vineyard? Um, that sort of thing. And then maybe the one, the favorite varieties that uh, you make wine from.
3: Okay, so currently we have around eight acres of planted vines. Uh, we have some very young vines uh, for... In, Savignon Blanc entering fourth leaf uh, that we're excited about to get really good production from. Uh, we also have uh, Traminet, which is uh, has done extremely well. Have a uh, wine that we'll release uh, in January called Cherish, which is uh, a an off dry Traminet, off dry that's uh, lovely. We have Chamberson, which has been kind of the, the staple grape, uh, great production, very vigorous. We have uh, a small planting of Merlot, a field of uh, Pinot Grigio that we're we're, we're diagnosing issues with uh, this spring, and then a field where we test planted some Italian varietals uh, um, last year and uh, they didn't fare well. So we're in we're considering our options uh, for new varietals, and there there are obviously some exciting options out there. We we love Italian varietals. Um, they're a challenge to grow here, so uh, but we're having fun with the possibilities uh, of what's out there. Oh, yeah.
0: And, of course, that planting of Italian included Montepulciano in honor of Julie, so we may go back there because there are some people having success with the Montepulciano yep. in this area. And a lot
2: of it could be very site-specific, too, so maybe the test block isn't the place for it. Maybe there's another another spot on the property where it'll work just well, so definitely yep. keep on trying. I think it's, it kind of fits in with the chemical engineering side of things, too, because it's just a bunch of testing and trying out things and seeing what are the results. I mean, on a much longer time scale than I'm sure you're used to in a laboratory. But I think oh, yeah. you're, you're dealing with years here instead of just, you know, hours or weeks. So that's true. Excellent. So um, talk to us a little bit about the the wines then that you're that you're making with the grapes or that you're also kind of offering as part of your your offering here.
0: So when we got here, they had 11 different wines on their list, Um, and as new winemakers, we vowed together that we weren't going to change the 11 that were there because we didn't want takeaways for our customers. Um, So we vowed that we would reproduce them and get as close as we could to exactly what they were doing, Um, but we have added to that, and we are up to 21 wines right now, Um, and so we've made um, we've made some changes, a lot of changes to the menu, and have really evolved it since we have been here. Um, some of our new additions. So, very recently, for our second birthday, um, we introduced a new Meritage wine. Um, that her name is Embrace. All of our names are these playful, romantic kind of names, which is very reflective of of our relationship um Mm -hmm. and she she is a beautiful big bold red we this um fall we added a holiday wine that is all estate grown chamberson and her name is glowing ember Mm. um which i don't know if you've ever tried a glug wine g-l-o-g-g is a scandinavian norwegian yeah well glug translates to english to be glowing ember So it's kind of an honor to my Norwegian heritage, and we created this wine. It's very much like a mulled wine, but we put the spices in when we are making the wine. And so it has um, some cinnamon, some anise, some ginger. David happens to be drinking that. that uh,
3: That's what's in the glass right now. (laughs) Excellent, excellent.
0: It it was a beautiful holiday release, and we released it um, early November. Actually, at our wine pairing dinner in November, we, we, we we. We released that new wine. Like David mentioned, we have the new estate-grown trim whose name is Cherish. That one's coming out. Um, Mm -hmm. We have a new sparkling um, almond wine that we will be – it is um, being carbonated right now. We blended it two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. And um, her name is Giggles, so that's coming out. We also added um, a traditional method, a Champenois method, um, sparkling wine, a higher end, one of our um, reserve wines, um, and her name is Flirt, and we introduced a new Chardonnay. Well, okay. We
3: introduced Chardonnay, a lightly <laughs> oak Chardonnay. We uh, uh, Our initial introduction was a dry rosé, which there were no rosés on the menu, and so our first harvest of Chamberson with a little Merlot created this delightful um, uh, Driver's say that uh, we continue to enjoy. And then we also created a uh, force carbonated sparkling off drive version of that one called First Kiss.
0: And those twin sisters are the only wines that we've made that we've entered into a competition, and we put them in the North Carolina Fine Wine Competition um, this in 2023. Mm-hmm. Um and they both placed. So oh, nice. we were very excited as new winemakers that yep. a couple of our first wines. Oh, and then we forgot about our off-dry Riesling. We also produced an uh, we had a semi-sweet Riesling on the menu when we bought the place. And we produced, we wanted more of a French style. Um, she's like one and a half percent residual sugar, just a little hint of sweetness. Um a more delicate, a lot of minerality on that one, but you still get the pear and the dried apricot on it, but just not as sweet as the semi-sweet Riesling we had on the menu. Yep. I think those are all our new introductions. Well,
3: in production, we're making a dry Chamberson this year. So we've, we've done rosé with our Chamberson. We've done the the holiday uh, glue style with our Chamberson. Now we're going to make a, a dry one. It's, in, it's resting in barrel now. And then we have some other interesting reds uh, that we're planning to introduce in the summer as well.
2: I mean, that just goes to show you how versatile Chamberson can be, because it can pretty much do whatever you want it to. It can be a nice dry red. It can be a nice glue, which I think is very interesting, very fun that you're doing that. So i will have to stop by and grab some of that. It's always a a little kind of, you know, secret thing that you enjoy sipping on. And it doesn't have to be secret. It can be, you know, sip out there, sip out loud, so... (laughs)
3: <laughs> and I actually uh, think it might make uh, a nice uh, port style. Oh, absolutely!
1: Yeah, it can definitely do that as well.
3: That may be something to play with in the future.
2: Oh yes! Oh yes! And congratulations on the on the placements, the wins as well. So that's a, it's always a good feeling when you're just kind of starting up you're like, oh yeah, people are really enjoying this. So that's great. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Well, I think we're actually at a really good spot to take a quick little break for our wine education segment. But when we come back, let's talk a little bit about some of the events and some of the uh, happenings that you have going on there at the the venue itself.
0: Okay, sounds great.
2: It's time again for Wine Class with the Wine Mouths. Jesse, Jessica,
1: welcome back.
4: Thanks. We're excited for a new year.
1: Yeah, happy new year. Mm -hmm. So what's our topic this year?
4: So this year we were going to focus on different and unique styles of wine. So oh, okay. kind of going beyond just red and white wine, some different styles and unique wines that we can find in North Carolina. Hmm,
1: perfect. Okay. All right. So what's, what's first up?
4: So tonight we're going to start with a wine made in the style called Ramado. It's a very old tradition for making wine. You may have also heard of it as orange wine. It's a little bit different, but that's probably the biggest similarity to get a comparison or a starting ground. So, Ramado is is the style that we're going to have, and tonight we are drinking a 2022 wine from Marked Tree Vineyard that is done in the Ramado style. Hmm. Uh, it's called Otis. So, that oh. is what we're enjoying as we talk about this process.
2: Well, it's good to know what we're drinking then. Yes. yes.
4: And a fun fact, we picked this wine up when we went last summer for the um, Digital Media Summit. And this was the 100th winery we visited together as the Wine Mouths. Oh, yeah. that's
2: right. I forgot about I that. I know. a yeah. big deal. So big deal. <laughs> it's
4: a great way to kick off the year with this wine. Yeah.
2: So tell us a little bit more about this wine then.
4: So this specific wine from Mark Tree, as I mentioned, done in the Ramado style, also called Amber Wine, is made with North Carolina grown grapes, Pinot Gris. Or Pinot Grigio, but Mark's tree calls it Pinot Gris. Uh, They are fermented at high heat. They soak on the skins for four days. Oh, wow. And the wine, Otis, is named after their mini Australian shepherd, Otis.
1: Yeah, and Mm -hmm. the color is just so beautifully orange. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like copper. Yeah, copper is a good way to describe it, for sure.
4: Mm Mm-hmm. And so we'll leave you guys hanging on how it tastes until the end as we dig in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> deeper. So let's
5: dig a little deeper into what exactly Ramato is. I mean, it's fun to say, and it's going to be cool to learn about, so you can throw that term around like you know what you're talking about. So Jesse mentioned Pinot Gris, and that's also known as Pinot Grigio. And this is one of the most popular Italian wine styles. And the grape shares the name, of course, with Pinot But the different spelling and origination indicates different styles in white wine. So here's a question for you guys. What do you think of or how do you differentiate? Like if you hear Pinot Grigio, what do you expect versus Pinot Gris?
1: So I expect Pinot Grigio to be more fruity, um, and Pinot Gris to be a little more lean, more minerally Yeah. Um, I prefer Pinot Gris, but I prefer French wine to Italian wine. Don't put yeah. Jimmy out there. But um I like I like both styles. I think they're both interesting. Sure. That's what I think of. Yeah.
5: yeah, same, similar. Yeah, I feel like Pinot Gris is like elegant and refined. Yeah. And Pinot Grigio is like allowed to yeah. made an aunt. The party, the <laughs> yes. the afternoon
1: by the pool right. wine. It's a Tuesday. Yeah, yes. Ooh,
5: yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's just interesting to differentiate because Armada is typically made from Pinot Gris, right? so or is. Um, but Italian Pinot Grigio hasn't always been made in the dry, untinted fashion that we know and expect today—interromato wine. So, as Jesse mentioned, this is a style of wine, and um, it dates back to its historic origins in the region of Friuli in Italy. But it's getting more and more attention from winemakers elsewhere, and even right here in North Carolina. But how is it different from rosé or um, other orange wines? So we know rosés can be made from red grapes, and orange wines are made from white grapes. But what distinguishes ramato from a rosé or an orange wine is that Romano is a product of this just historical winemaking style. Uh, so Pino Grigio grapes are crushed. The skins are allowed to spend time with the juice. And it results in, in more of like a Tactile texture, texture result, that you can really tell a difference in the coppery hue that results in that distinct wine style called Romato. And yeah. this comes from the word rain, which means copper in Italian. Oh. Huh.
4: Yeah. So if you want a Romato, you have to use Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio. Interesting. Historically, yeah. I guess. <laughs> never say never, but <laughs> right. if you want to do, if you want a traditional, historic Ramato, it is done with Pinot Grigio grapes. The classic style. Yeah.
5: Now, of course, rose and orange wines can have a wide range in colors of, as a result of that skin ta- contact, but color alone does not determine the wine style either. You know, so, just because it has color it doesn't make it a Ramato. Mm. Again, it's what it was, how it was made and what it was. Made. So, a little bit more about the history Ramato has been made from Pinot Grigio grapes in the Friuli region of Italy. For hundreds of years. Um, Now, this region is in the northeastern corner of Italy.
4: think Venice. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Really, Venezia Giulia. Um,
2: That'd be a fun name.
5: Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Got your first, your last, and your first, middle, and last. There you go. Uh, But it's tucked up against the Alps. Uh, It borders Slovenia to the east and Austria to the north. So, not like a warm, balmy sort of area year round. Um, 77% of grapes that are grown here are for white wine. So those include Pinot Grigio, of course, Pinot Blanco, and Sauvignon Blanc. Um, But so, anyways, this, you know, setting the stage here for our Pinot Grigio grapes grown in this region. Of course, we know Pinot Gris is actually a French grape, but it was thought to have been introduced to Italy in the mid 19th century and eventually found its way along the Northeast region all the way to that. Yeah, this it was made in this style up until the 1960s. There was a producer named Santa Margherita that began exporting Pinot Grigio in this style, or in the style that most consumers are familiar with today, not in the Ramada style. So up until then, like 1960s, the modern Pinot Grigio became king. And this new, dry, untinted style became one of Italy's biggest wine exporters.
4: You can still get your Santa Margarita Pinot Grigio at the grocery store. It's <laughs> a very familiar
5: name. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, some wine producers in Friuli continue to make ramato though, and so they retain that wine's historical relevance in the region. Um, but the style can also be made in other parts of Italy, and it's obviously, as we've said, recently started popping up in places like the North Carolina. So, dates back to you know. Last century. (laughs) Still relevant today.
4: So, just a little more on how it's made. We kind of talked about it and comparing it to rose and orange wine. But so, first is kind of this idea of color. So, we're looking at our wine. You guys can't see us, but it's not necessarily rose. It's not necessarily orange. It's kind of a coppery color. That's because Pinot Gris, Pinot Grigio is not a white skinned grape, it's not a red skinned grape it's a rosy gray tone. So I found this gris means gray in French and grigio means gray in Italian. So the the hue is attributed to that grape specifically, not just a class of red versus white grapes. Extended maceration is done. So maceration is just the process of the juice sitting on the skins um, during the winemaking process. So This extended maceration gives it its color, but it also adds flavor, aromas, complexity, tannin. So in drinking this wine, you get the tannin instead of like you would in a normal white wine. One thing to note, you have to be very careful with oxygen during the winemaking process, specifically for this type of style, because having the lack of oxygen helps retain the color and aroma compounds, Mm. because the color is such a kind of a fickle thing in the winemaking you really want to be careful with that you can also do shorter macerations if you want it fresh lighter it would probably be more peach instead of copper if you did that but um, another interesting thing in the winemaking process these wines can be oak aged Uh, so we don't normally see that with rosés but the ramado style can be oak aged
2: very interesting
4: so now the fun part. Mm-hmm. We get to taste this wine and see what we think. Yeah,
1: right. It's very perfumey on the nose. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, much more depth than you would find in just like a regular Pinot Grigio or mm-hmm. another white, really.
1: Almost a hint of honey. Mm-hmm. I and mean, then again, I get some honey. I get I get a little orange peel. Um, there are some tannins, too. That yeah, definitely tannin. People. Yeah,
5: yeah the, like a mouth
1: It's not whatever. like super crisp. Like, mm-hmm. like you might find a, yeah. with a white wine, but it definitely has it's body nicely done too. Like, yeah. it's more like a whole milk style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's full bodied. Yeah. whole to medium, I guess, really. Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah. I think this one in a blind tasting in a black glass, it would be hard to know what, what type of wine it was. Yeah. Like if it was red or white, like it would be hard. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. And I think it's now, when we first poured it, it was probably too cold. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think it's warmed up, yeah. and you can get some more of that texture.
2: Yeah, I mean the tannins are like they're all yeah. over my teeth. It's just yeah. like I'm licking.
1: <laughs> it's a lovely yeah.
2: wine.
5: Yeah, and I think the tans like make you want to eat food with it.
1: Mm. Yeah, so so let's this, talk yeah. about that. This
5: sure.
2: be a really versatile wine. For
1: food mm-hmm. I have so. some I have some ideas. Okay, you want me to go? Yeah, oh, sure. go for it. So I would say this to me. This screams seafood. So a fish with maybe some sort of cream sauce mm-hmm. with maybe bits of... Or maybe a, like a beurre blanc with like lemon flavorings. Um, I, I would say... Oh, okay. I could see okay. that. Yeah. I think um, some sort of pork dish with like apricots and citrus. Yeah, I think would pair... Some, like, apricot. From yeah, yeah, would pair well with this. Yeah. Um, yeah, or, or even like in the fall, uh, roasted squash. Mm-hmm. Any kind of... Roasted winter squash, even a butternut squash soup.
2: I think this um, could hold up to something a little bit buttery too, like some sort of like buttery dishes. Yeah, maybe.
1: scallops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, you wouldn't want to pair it with red meats, but no, yeah. it's yeah, it's very interesting to yeah,
2: like a schnitzel, I think would be good mm-hmm. with it. Oh yeah. Risotto. Let's think of like Italian, like but what?
1: Yeah. yeah, like a butternut squash risotto. I think yeah. would be perfect with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: like a scallopini or something like that. If we're going to go more Italian dishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think something with cream sauce, mm-hmm. Italian cream sauce, would be uh, way to go.
4: Yeah. yeah, especially since this is Northern Italy. I just yeah. think of like Venice, and I immediately think of like the squid ink pasta. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah,
2: yeah. This would be. That'd be an interesting contrast of flavors. I mean, mm-hmm. it would be. It'd be fun.
5: Yeah, it's, um, so in general, Romato is considered to be a very food-friendly wine. Um, that, part of that's the textural component <laughs> that the skin contact gives. Um, also, fun fact, the plural of Romato is Romati. Oh, yeah.
4: okay. That's very nice. um, Italian. So we'll have a Romati party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so easy. Romati
5: instead of Romatos. Romati are, like I said, really food-friendly, um, but can really run the gamut from Italian food to... Asian food and anything really. So I think the curry that we just had would have been great. Mm,
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. It would have
5: paired nicely. So, yeah, can do a lot of things. Great job, Mark Tree. This is fantastic wine. More, please.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, I'm happy that we learned about this Ramado style of wine.
1: Yeah, and I'm happy that we were able to drink this uh, Otis from Mark
2: Tree. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Jesse and Jessica, thank you very much. Thank you. You can find out more information about the Wine Mouths by going to their website, WineMouths.com, or on Facebook and Instagram at WineMouths. That's W-I-N-E-M-O-U-T-H-S. And now, back to the show. So we're back with Laura and David. So let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the events and things that you have going on at Joyas Elamore that are more than just the wine.
0: Sure. Um, so we offer music um, events on usually on Sundays, sometimes on Saturdays, a couple times a month. So we will have live musicians come out and perform. We um, generally try to pair those with food trucks to where our customers can have a full experience, come and enjoy music and have different types of foods going along with that. Um, We also do weddings here. So um, weddings and events, corporate events. Um, So corporate Christmas parties. um, We do about a dozen weddings a year and really enjoy that and being As you can tell, the the joy of love is kind of our theme, and our our tagline is Scattered Joy. And we very much enjoy being a part of these young couples starting out and being a part of their lives and getting to be a part of their most special day in their life, really. Um, And then we also have cabins that we rent out. So um, we have six different cabins, five of which we rent out. Um, And two of those are freestanding cabins. One's a two-bedroom, two-bath um cabin with a full kitchen and a full living room between the two and a beautiful porch that looks out over the vines um, and then we have a one and a half bedroom one and a half cab bath cabin um, with a loft and master bedroom full kitchen a full full living room and then we have what we call our lodging suites and we rent three of those out they are well apportioned suites with a king-size bed a bathroom, a living room, and a kitchen, almost a full kitchen. It just does not have a stove, but it has a microwave and a toaster oven and a grill out there, but no built-in stove, so stove or oven. Um, So those are the cabins. What what am I missing, babe?
3: We also have – we do events in the tasting room as well as our big event pavilion, so um, I guess the term in the industry as far as weddings go or micro-weddings, we call them cozy weddings because – if, if the space is just perfect for a nice intimate celebration, but like Laura also mentioned, we'll do corporate events, um, birthday parties. Uh, we we've done, uh, we had a, um, Tango dance group come out and use our pavilion and, and do, you know, it was a place for them to dance, but also it was, they were inviting the public in to see and participate in tango dancing. So we, we, we're open to all sorts of event opportunities. We do a spring and fall sip and shop art event uh, as well. Uh, lots of, uh, we fill our pavilion with uh, crafts folks and uh, they bring lots of fun things out.
0: Local artists come out and, and sell their wares. Yeah. We also do art classes. So we 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 do um paint, sip and, sip and paint classes. We've done barn quilt classes. We've built the little blanket ladders where you throw your comforters over them and keep those. Um, just just different artists coming out and we kind of try to gauge our audience and what they want and try to offer different things for folks to come out and yep. relax and have wine and do different events.
2: Cool. I do have to say, I think we, uh, we came in one time during one of your events. It was uh, late in the day. Toward Halloween and there was a costume party or costume judging contest going on. And we were uh, walking in right as the finalists were coming out. We're like, Oh, we're not in the costume party. We're going to wait here. So it was, it was, it it was always something I'll remember. It's just like, Oh my gosh, this is fun.
3: (laughs) Yeah. We had uh, the the gentleman that was performing dressed like one of the uh, uh, characters from the TV series, The Office. Uh, and uh, and it was a fun time. I remember doing the tasting with you and trying to manage with all the noise and everything. It, it, it was a fun time. You know? Oh, yeah. It
2: was fun. Oh, it yes, fun. And, and congratulations to the winners. I don't remember what the costume was, but I remember everyone loved her, so that was good.
0: Well, and we also should mention that we had a couple of big firsts this year, things that were on our goal list um, as new owners and new winemakers to add to our repertoire here. And one is our wine club. So we were able to launch our wine club in October and had our first wine club pickup. And, um, our, we have a growing membership there. We're over 20 members now, so we're up and going and growing with that. Um, and we, we also had our first wine dinner. So we, we did a five course wine pairing um, in early November and, it was, a, it was a great time. We sold out, and we're having our second one in February. We plan on doing those three to four times a year um, yep. and introducing our new wines through those as much as we can, as much as, as the timing yep. works out. And the other thing that we did last year was a luau. So we did a fundraiser luau and had a, a luau dance company come out, and we raised money. It was our first fundraiser, and what could be a better – benefactor um, fitting with our story than the Barry Joyce Cancer Foundation. So um, they support local cancer it's all local. They support local cancer patients who who need help with paying electricity or getting the prescriptions that they need for their treatment or providing meals and that sort of thing. So that was our very first fundraiser.
2: That's a great tie into your story
3: as well.
0: It really is, isn't it, Matt?
3: When it connects back to the vision that Julie had for supporting community, and that uh, opportunity exists in most every community around the U.S. as well, so there's opportunity for us to to give back in and, and in all sorts of directions, and, and it brings joy. It's our scattered joy mission. <laughs>
1: Which is a great mission to have and, and that tagline fits in so nicely and you all use it so well. I mean we see it all over uh, your social media and that sort of thing. and and so uh, good job with the marketing for sure with that.
0: Do you know where the the line comes from? It's actually a um, Ralph Waldo Emerson quote, and it's a shortened version, but it's from that. And his quote is, there is no greater beautifier of face or form or personality than the sincere desire to scatter joy and not pain amongst others that's a
1: great quote you need that do you have that quote hanging in the tasting room
0: we need to have
1: that we need to
3: have that. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we've talked about doing that so yeah we we need to hang that and then we have all of the little uh, Paper slips where Julie and Laura were sitting at the kitchen table at our home in Sugarland, sketching out logos, and we need to map those yeah, around that would be our, cool. our new logo, and that needs to be hanging on the wall too.
1: Yeah, yeah
3: great celebration.
1: Right. <laughs> yep. So, given that you've only been in the business though for a couple of years, but what so far has left the biggest impact? Or is it that experience with Julie and and kind of getting that vision together? Is that the biggest impact? Maybe
0: I would say the biggest impact for me is the community interface. Um, you know, being a Texas girl and moving here from Texas to do this, um, I didn't know what to expect of the community here. You know, Texans are very friendly and very down to earth and, Um, my exposure to the East Coast prior to this, although I was born in Arlington, Virginia, I moved to Texas at barely six, so I knew Texas. And my exposure as an adult to the East Coast was Boston and New York City. And when, after we finished winemaking school and David kind of broke the news to me that he was tired of nine and a half months of summer and really wanted to look outside of Texas. um, And we fell in love with this property in, in Madison, North Carolina. Um, I'm like, but what are the people going to be like? <laughs> it's like, I, I, I said, you know, New York, Boston, what are the people going to be like? David said, um, oh, it's the South, Dave. The, the hmm. people are really friendly there. David graduated from high school in Charlotte, North Carolina, so he was very familiar with this area. Hmm. And I turned to him and I said, it has North in the name, are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) But I, I would just say the community, the way that we have been embraced by the community here, coming as outsiders and how friendly everyone is. And I feel like we have 500 new cheerleaders that are just like, "What? you just picked up and moved here and bought this place and you're just doing this. And that's actually why we named the Meritage Embrace. It was our second anniversary wine and something we want. We love Big Bold Reds. So we wanted to do something bolder and bigger and more tannic. Um, But it was in honor of the community and how they've just welcomed us and embraced us and helped us get through our first two years and get up and running. So I would say for me, that's the biggest impact is just the the pure blessing of being able to interface with the community here and the back and forth. And it brings me so much joy.
3: Yeah. Probably for me, um, other so many directions I could go with it, but one of the key ones is it's, it's the sense of community, but it's within the wine industry, the, the, the support and, uh, guidance and fellowship among you know, the, the, the winemakers at, the other wineries that if you have questions they're they're happy to answer because uh the the message is we want everybody making great wine uh, because that's that's what uh the uh outward vision for the north carolina wine industry for for those visiting you know, they want we, we want folks to find great wine everywhere so that that kind of uh sense of industry community has is, is really been a, a big impact.
2: Those are two great points, I think. Definitely the the winemaking community, the the wine industry community here is great. And I think being in a community itself is just such a great way to be able to have uh, such an impact on the area, too. So I think, you know, you're in a great area. So Awesome. So... Tell us a little bit. In, in the past, you've told us a little bit about all the things that you've done so far. Tell us about some of the things you're looking forward to doing in the next few years.
3: I think one of the key ones. Uh, you know, we're we're kind of a, a remote location. You know, there there is uh, you know Maodan and Madison nearby and Stoneville and other towns, but uh, when folks come out here, we like to we would like to be able to offer more food than the simple charcuterie items that we have and so getting uh, our catering kitchen permitted for food prep and uh, we would love to uh, have a pizza oven to make our uh, uh, style of pizzas and offer those um, I do miss Texas brisket a whole lot of course I've been saying that for two years now uh, but uh, uh, an outdoor kitchen with the ability to to really smoke brisket, uh, want, want to get there as well. Probably probably a couple couple of the key things for me. How about you? Yeah,
0: I agree. We, we actually, the trip that we came out here, the first time we looked at this property, to consider purchasing it on the way home, our daughter who was in culinary in high school, she's not doing that for a living, but it was something she was very interested in. And the three of us were driving back to Texas together and, we actually made a pizza menu and we have all these great playful names of pizza. They all hint, they all have the word love in them. but the pizza kitchen is high on my list too. Um, Definitely. Um, I look forward to also just creating great new wines. Um, You know, some of the things that we have in process right now um, and just continuing to um, evolve through that process and, come up with our own styles and everything. Like I said, yep. we were we were very committed to not changing the things that were here, but it's been such a great journey to create the new ones that we have and to continue to do that as a couple and have both of our different influences like on these different wines and the favorite things we David loves a great port. I love bubbles. It's actually my grandmother name. He's pops in on bubbles. Um <laughs> Doing some some of those things with our wines, I really I look forward to that yeah. very
3: much. And and blending, we love you know, blending, cre- creating you know, whether it's a white or red. And of course, we we generally think more so of reds, but it, it, it's exciting some of the things that we have on our near term uh, calendar um, you know, for new uh, for new reds. And but even though um, so we're not doing takeaways, we are adding our influence on the new bottlings of things that we have. You know, our, the Merlot and Cab that we've had previously, we've added a little more tannic structure while maintaining the, you know, the nice you know, fruit notes that each of those had. Uh, you know, we're, we're putting our, our self into the new bottlings and, that, and that's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you're make you're doing a good job of um, keeping the tradition alive with, with that that started with Autumn Creek, but but now it's expanding and 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 moving forward as Joya G- Delamore. So that's 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 a great way to do that as second owners, and you know we're starting to see a little bit more of that in North Carolina as as. Twenty years, twenty plus years ago, folks first started getting into the industry, and now those folks are finally saying, "Okay, it really is time to retire now." And, and so you're seeing a second second um, round of owners come in, and certainly I think they could probably learn a lot from those coming in. Could learn a lot from you too, and how you've handled your transition and, and into uh, the, the wine industry here in North Carolina. So. What what would you like customers to know when they come to visit?
0: I think the that our customer service model really is um, scattering joy. Um, we're here for positive interactions and just creating that atmosphere. Um, we we believe there's something in wine for everyone, and it shouldn't be snobby. No. Um, there, you know,
3: there aren't absolutes. You know, our, yeah. our palates are individual. And and change on a daily basis as well. Uh, we're not going to preach absolutes with wine. It's it's about you know, helping customers engage with their own experience with with wines and tastings and creating the in them if if the interest is there this you know, wine assessment approach for them to gain more enjoyment, mm-hmm. yeah, the wine appreciation side of things and the education side of things most definitely in a
0: non-snobby kind of way you know there's something for everyone sort of way and to leave here um feeling that scatter joy kind of atmosphere and for them to pass it on to the next person that they encounter because we all we all create energy in any interaction that we have and we have 50 percent control in a one-on-one conversation over whether the energy we're creating is positive or negative and we can make that choice and like creating that joyful moment for people and then having them leave and pass that on to the next person they encounter maybe in the grocery line or at the post office or wherever um that's that's what we really strive for
2: i have to say from our times being there we can definitely pick up on that so i think you're headed in the right direction with
0: Thank you so much. That means more to us than anything.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I would second that. There's a lot of joy in that tasting room. So, uh, if if it, the name fits, and you all are doing a good job of spreading that joy and scattering it as you as you say.
0: Thank you, Joe.
1: So maybe tell as we kind of wrap up uh, the discussion here. Tell tell folks where they can find you both physically and virtually. Uh, and maybe uh, give us a little bit of rundown of your hours of operation.
3: Okay, so uh, uh, virtually our website is uh, joyadelamore.com. Uh, That's
0: G-I-O-I-A-D-E-L-L-A-M-O-R-E dot com.
3: Yep. And then on Facebook we're joyadelamore.com at Autumn Creek Vineyards. We also have a new uh, uh, wedding. A page that just launched which is weddings at joya de la mori
0: we're um, also on instagram on your under...
3: instagram we're on the uh, wedding wire and the knot as uh, you would probably search on autumn creek vineyards on those sites that's a little more challenging to do a name change on those sites uh, but uh more information for those looking for a venue and then uh we're physically physically we're mayo Dan north carolina western rockingham county um we're about we're off of uh, highway 220 future highway 73 about 25 minutes from martinsville virginia we're about five miles south of the virginia line um,
0: in about 40 minutes north of greensboro on 220 yep.
3: greensboro north carolina and around us uh hanging rock state park is about 20 minute, 25 minutes to the west. So we have the Mayodan Parks and the Dan River Parks near us. Um, beautiful rolling uh, North Carolina Piedmont countryside.
0: And our physical address is actually 364 Means Creek Road, M-E-A-N-S Creek Road in Mayodan. Perfect.
2: Well, Laura and David, thank you very much for taking time to have our conversation with us. I picked up on all the joy that you bring to everything that you do. So we're very excited um, to make our way back out that way and definitely encourage all of our listeners to do the same.
0: Thank you so much, Matt and Joe. We appreciate the time with you and appreciate all that the two of you do for the North Carolina wine industry as
3: well. Yeah, Thank you very much. Uh, I've enjoyed meeting you in the taste room at uh, the Taste of uh, North Carolina event. That you've been to. we look forward to welcoming you back
1: thank you that's it for this episode of Cork Talk thanks again to Laura and David Scattering Joy is their mission and we encourage everyone to plan a trip to visit
2: if you like this episode be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review it helps others find Cork Talk
1: and lets us know how we can improve. And don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at NC Wine Guides. Until next time, and remember, the Cork only talks when it's out of the bottle. Cheers! Cork Talk is a free LLC production.
2: This episode is made possible in part by a grant from the North Carolina Wine and Grape Council.
4: But like, all right. Let me hold the bottle while I'm introducing the wine. Though, okay, just so I
0: can read it,
1: and <laughs> just so you
3: don't pour the rest of it in your glass.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so what? Just so she doesn't pour the rest of it in her glass. Let me have that, please. have that.